Well, folks, once again, you're listening to the Biscuits and Gravy Show. I'm Jason Kurtman. On the other end of the Clean Feed link is none other than my good friend, Jim, world champion rubber band gunfighter Nelson. Jim, how are you doing? Oh, boy, with the gunfighter and the, the rubber band stuff, and I'm loving it. You're awesome at this. I love What's it so with much. that accent? <laughs> I don't know, but it, I'm looking at the picture of Gandhi, and it just made me think I wanted to talk this way because why are it you just looking sounded at a, really fun. Why are you looking at a picture of Gandhi? Well, it is part to do with some of our quotes for later. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I guess that'll be the teaser then. You can stop now, please. <laughs> so. <laughs> Over 50 billion served. Thank okay, you very much. Okay, all right. So, Jim, how has your day been? <laughs> Not too bad. Good. Anything new happening lately? Not a whole lot. No? Uh, well, nope. no just, news is good just, news, right? I'll take it. Do you have those, I, I will. Do you have those days when you go out to the mailbox and you're relieved that there's nothing in it? Constantly. Yes. The yes. Daily. Yeah, it's, you know, I remember a time when we would... uh be excited because we got an email and right. you know and now we're we're back to the point where we're excited because we got mail good mail in the mailbox in the snail mailbox and now we get emails and they're a dime they're not even a dime a dozen they're like one one hundredth of a hundredth of a cent because we get so many of them scammed do you how many emails a day do you get on average all oh, of goodness. them spam and everything I don't know. I go through and I do the sweep function. Yeah. Where, like, when I get, when somebody sends me stuff and I'm like, oh, goodness. I, in what universe would I ever be interested? Just stop. And so I, like, go, not only do I want you to make all of these go away, to never let these people send me stuff again. And so I, like, just use that function where I just sweep that. I'm scared of the day when um, my my email provider is going to go, okay, you've hit the limit. No more for there you. There he you goes again. Our system cannot handle all of these blocked emails. You yeah, okay. Okay, I'm assuming that has nothing to do with Gandhi, but probably where your mail server is located. It's tech support, yes, of course. Right, What were yes. you thinking? I don't know what I was thinking. I was thinking, what were you thinking? But anyway, um, so yeah, I, I get Gmail, and right now my unread messages total about a little over twenty nine thousand. But you know that's <laughs> that's partly my fault because I get on websites, and before you can read them, they have this little pop up that says enter your email address here, and it won't let you click off of that. A lot of them won't until you enter your email address to let you look at you know whatever you you know whether it's news or, or shopping. Most of them are shopping websites. Do you buy much online? Uh, not much. I mean, I, I do buy stuff online. Um, I'll get on Amazon. I'll get on eBay. Um, those are the big ones that I'll, I don't do a lot. Of. I, I buy quite a bit online because to me, I have an Amazon Prime account. That's the best way to send a gift. Free shipping. Um, get it on credit and pay it off once a month. That, that's ideal for me. Um, so I do, I do a good amount of online shopping. However, there is someone I know who shall remain nameless. I think she's got me beat. Oops, did I say she? Anyway. Um, about but, as subtle as a chainsaw there. Yeah, right. Right. But I'm not complaining. <laughs> boy, I said, boy, you better shop as yes. a bowling ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You were just full of the accents today. Gandhi and Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, wow. I'm just kind of trying to show my range here. Yeah, you've got a range. Yeah. Hmm, okay. 
So, um, anyway, but I'm not complaining about the online shopping because a lot of the stuff she gets is for me. I love it. This week, I got to tell you what she got me. It came in the mail while she was, she was gone. It's a, she, she bought me a carabiner because I was looking for something to put my motorcycle keys on because I'm constantly misplacing them. And, uh, so this carabiner came and I thought it was going to be one of these carabiners like you buy in the, at Walmart, maybe like an inch big. Uh, this thing's a good at least five and a half to six inches big from top to bottom. It's suitable huge. for home defense. It is. You could wrap that thing around your knuckles or, you know, uh, put it in, in your, in your grip and make a really nice, uh, face adjuster. But, uh, some criminal sticks your right, face in your so, window and you snap it in his nose and go, Hey, you come here. Right. I want to carabiner you. Um, so <laughs> you've heard of beaning somebody that takes it to a whole new level. So. Anyway, I I got to laughing because I can put the motorcycle keys on it, but it's going to look really silly hanging off the side of my motorcycle when I'm driving down the road. And I thought, well, you know, the point of this thing is so I don't lose my key. Nothing says I, I don't have to take my keys off, or nothing says I can't take my keys off before I insert the said key into the motorcycle. And when it's around the house, have it on that carabiner, and I'm not going to lose it for sure. It's bright green. But the cool thing about this carabiner, Jim, is it has a 3000 mAh battery charger on it, a cell phone charger. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So, like, if I'm on a long-distance motorcycle trip, I can clip this thing to the back seat of my motorcycle, ride down the road, and if for any reason I run out of battery power uh, for my cell phone, I've got that as an emergency backup. So, that's that's pretty cool. That's That's going in my ED... MC list, everyday motorcycle carry list. So, go. yeah. So, now see, now, see, being your friend, because I am your friend. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, you'll have to go back and listen to the old shows to get that. In in the, in the back of my head, I'm going, I, I got my inner Bruce Wayne is going, wait a second, he's got a battery pack. How could I find stun gun? Oh, wow. Yeah. So, Jason, so Jason's got this on his carabiner. He can ball his fist up inside of this. And he's, and the guy's just and Jason like uh, just kind of does that low that slow sauntering. Son, you should have thought your way through. They go off, and you know, sparking those little stun gun things. They're pretty good for somebody that doesn't really want to carry any little, uh, you know, like a pistol. Uh, but I and I even have one. I I I am a, when I go to a, a gun show or a flea market. Well, you know, you've seen me at the Dixieland flea market. It doesn't talk. <laughs> it doesn't take much to talk me into putting out some money for something that I'll never see or use again. Because you are my yes, friend. Yes, because I have friends. That's right. So <laughs> I bought this stun gun at a gun show. I paid like $18 for it. I thought, oh, this is pretty cool. I'll just put this inside the car. And I, and I ended up selling the car. And this time I took it out. I just put it in storage. So it's down in the storage. It probably needs to be charged up. But I haven't seen it. or Well, I've never used it, so to speak. Uh, other than it has a built-in flashlight on it too, the switch the switch slides two ways. One way is a flashlight, and the other way is the to turn the taser part on. And uh, you don't want to put a firm grip on it and hope you're getting the flashlight switched, and you switch the other one on because you'll drop it faster than you flip the switch. <laughs> so, but I don't know what. Why, do, why do I feel like there's a story? No, behind no, that. there's not. There's not. Not yet, anyway. I'm uh, not so. sure I believe you. <laughs> well, you can believe me or nope, not. Nope, nope, there's nope. That's not, nope. that's not something I'm going to admit to. <laughs> no, I, I would admit to it. I mean, I've done stuff. I'm, te- I'm teasing I, you. I, I have done stuff that I 
have admitted to before, I shot a hole through my own futon one time with a, a Glock 40 caliber uh, when I was a police officer. I was actually um, disengaging my firearm from its holster while I was talking on the phone, and I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. It was a new holster. The leather was tight, and as I pulled it out, because it was tight, my finger slipped into the trigger guard and fired a... Uh. Fired around right through my couch and right through the apartment below me. The apartment below me was occupied by my landlord, who was a sheriff's deputy. Uh, by department policy, I was uh, required to report it, so I reported it. They sent the sergeant sergeant down to take a report, and wouldn't you know, he brought along with him a rookie that he was training. And that was quite I an that was quite an embarrassing situation. Sergeant just kind of looked at me and kind of shook his head. Uh, I went down in the basement of that building and found the shell. Uh, my landlord had a pretty good sense of humor about it. The About three or four days later, I came home from work, and he's sitting out on the front porch. He says, I'm ready for you next time. I said, what do you mean? He said, come in the house and look. I go in the house, and he's got a bulletproof vest duct-taped to the ceiling where the first bullet hole went through. <laughs> so I was glad he had a good sense of humor about it. Right, right. So, yeah, I'll, tell, I'll admit something every now and then. <laughs> so, but... Uh, it's it's not confession night here on the biscuits and gravy show. So, which reminds me, I have a good good story for you, Jim. All right. Yeah. So this uh, and and my apologies to uh, my lighthearted apologies to any Catholics that might be listening. A Baptist goes into a Baptist church. He's got a little bit of a mischievous streak in him, and he steps into the confessional and he says, uh, "Father, forgive me for I have sinned." And the priest on the other side says. Uh, uh, go ahead, my son, and confess your sins. And the Baptist kind of grins real big. He says, pardon me. I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> so, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So those of you who are Baptist will get that. Those of you who are Protestant will probably get that. So anyway, that's that's a whole other story there. A couple things to bring up, but once again, I want to thank our executive consultant, Rodney Barden, for helping us out with this program, giving us advice on a regular basis, something that we're really good at taking. Uh, some people aren't good at taking advice, and uh, but I am, and uh, Jim is too. Jim, do you have any advice for me? <laughs> I was just trying to lay off the sugar cookies, right? Right. Yeah, we've all, no. So, anyway, um, another thing is, Jim, you've had a couple of people ask if they could uh, donate uh, to help the cause of the biscuits and gravy show. I have. Yes, just let you know on the header of our website at ourfantasticwebsite.com, there is a donate button uh, where you can help do that. Pretty soon, we'll be incurring some expenses, and that's a good thing. Uh, That means we're growing. So that's there. Let you know. I also want to let you know that we would greatly appreciate your ratings and reviews at iTunes. Uh, we'd also would love for you to remember that we go live on. I think it's June sixth. Is that right? It'll be a Sunday night. Maybe it is June ninth. Uh, one of the two. Let me see. I'll pull up my calendar here right now, Jim, and it is going to be on June ninth. We'll be going live June ninth, and we'll be on QStar FM. And there's a link to that at ourfantasticwebsite.com. We'll also be on the Leading Edge Radio Network uh, live. So that'll be fun. Uh, Now, if you go during that time, uh, which will be 6 p.m. Mountain Time, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Gym Time, Motown Time, uh, there will be a chat room right there. That's the one we're going to use. Now, I know some of the other radio stations have chat rooms, but we would appreciate it if you would come to our fantastic website and use that one. That way we don't have to toggle back and forth between multiple chat rooms because I'm not too good at juggling, Jim. 
I don't know about you. Did you ever juggle anything besides tasks? I, I got a little Ness hilarious. I got a videotape of him somewhere. He he takes. The, I mean, he's he's not. He wasn't even three years old. They gave him these three balls, and they just told him to juggle. So he throws these three balls up in the air. Of course, they all hit the ground, and he keeps moving his hands like he's juggling them. It's the funniest oh, no. thing. Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> Because they said, watch him juggle, watch him juggle. Boy, I thought this was going to be good. I got my video camera out and everything. <laughs> and uh, kids are funny. They are hilarious. So um, another thing, keep in mind the Rubber Chicken Club. I'm not going to talk too much about that because we've covered that quite extensively. Uh, yep, if you want to know more about that, just go to our fantastic website and click on Chicken Club. Uh, so I think that just about does it. Oh, yeah, Jim, we got a Facebook page. It's starting to grow a little bit. Uh, just go to Facebook and look out uh, at the Biscuits and Gravy Bunch. Search for that. I will approve you as one of the members. I'll approve of just about anybody, I think. I'm, I'm not real particular on that. So, But, yeah, you can go to the Facebook page and check that out. So, Jim. Sir. Yes, sir. Do you have any quotes for us to, the, tonight, today? I do. Whatever I time do, it do. might be the listeners are listening. What do you got for me? We uh, like quotes. I like quotes. Uh, be yourself. You know who said that? Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde, okay. I, I might have mentioned this on another show, but I, some of the best advice, and I get a lot of advice, <laughs> wasn't intended as advice, really, in the way that it was presented. When I was in 11th grade, one of the seniors, they had a day where the seniors got a chance to give five or ten minutes speech to the rest of the uh, class, uh, the rest of the student body. And I don't remember who it was, but he got up and he says, I've just got one thing I want to say to you. And this guy was real nervous and stuttering. And he was, and he meant to say, just be yourself. But what he said by accident really came out quite thought-provoking. He said, be your same. And I took that as be consistent. Be who you are, but be consistent. Mm. And be your same. So that's good advice. Actually, it is. I, I, I know a lot of people that aren't, aren't consistent. They say one thing, and then later, that might even be the same day, they say something else. So, all right. So, uh, any other quotes, Jim? Well, this this kind of inspired the Hindustani. Okay. Um, but I actually, I actually like this. Be the change that you wish to see. That was old man Gandhi's son. That was old man Sorry, Gandhi's yeah. son. It's one of I, our old no, jokes. I, I, I really, I really, really like that one um, because across the board, across humanity, there's a lot of people running around like, uh, "Oh, I wish, I wish this was this way, or I wish this was that way," and and in some cases, even even up into including blaming God for stuff. Well, um, you can go out of your way to blame God, but what are you doing about it? Right. If you're if you're not doing something about fixing it, how do you how do you blame God or anybody else? For for why it's not the way. Here's another one um, that, that I'd like to. I was going to say deliver. Dovetail. Yeah, dovetail. Okay. Um, uh, that kind of goes along with that. Darkness cannot drive out. Dark. Only mm. light can do that. That's hate. a biblical principle. There. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love do that, and it ought to be biblical. Mr. King. Hmm. Interesting. I got one by John D. Rockefeller. You know who that was, right? Yep. Old man Rockefeller's son. That's right. Anyway, he said, <laughs> we're going to wear that out again, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> he said, it is wrong to assume that men of immense wealth are always happy. That's true. You, you know what I've found? i found there are things that affect our happiness. But 
overall, in general, happiness is not just a state of mind. It's a choice. Yeah, a lot of times it is. I And I've been, there's a lot, of, I'm, I've been through a lot, but I'm not saying there's not people out there that haven't been through more. But Jim, you and I have, we've endured some hardships. That's true. We have. And you know what? Uh, it's through the grace of God and through our mental health. Hate to sound like Frazier here, uh, but you know it's because we made a decision to persevere and push through it. And boy, did we find the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, oh, you, so to speak. You, you, that again, and, and that's that's not just Lucky Charms. That's God. That that right. is without a doubt the hand of providence, who is graceful and merciful, long suffering generous loving kind i wish i could describe him to you <laughs> uh, yeah he's so, indescribable he's indescribable <laughs> you but you about to go all full-blown uh smw lockridge on <laughs> yes yes i know who you're and talking I'm, about yeah and i'm okay with that <laughs> yeah right well he preached a great sermon so yeah but um man i just we have been blessed we you and i really really have and your blessings are still on the way i know that it so, is uh, in in some ways on the way, and in some way already here. But, sure. Uh, thank you, sweetheart, and Fulvi Gutierrez, sweetheart. I love I'm glad you tears. can pronounce her last name. <laughs> Boy, I um, couldn't. But on things, the love of uh, I don't care world. You know, I was talking to a fellow the other, and he used to run a suicide hotline. He used to work for mm. one, and they he said that they were trained. Just to ask questions when somebody called in. He said one Sunday night he got this call from this guy that says, you know, I'm thinking about ending my life. He said my parents have invested a lot of money into school. And uh, I I just took a bunch of tests, a bunch of finals, and I failed it. I'm a disappointment to my parents. I know they're going to cut me off, not want to have anything to do with me. I don't know where I'm going in life. I have no idea what I want to do. He said, I think I th- I think my scores are terrible, and I'm thinking about just... And he he didn't know what to say except just ask questions like he was trained. He, he said, are you sure? He said, what do you mean? He said, are, well, you say you think your scores are bad. Are you sure they're bad? How do you know? And And, you know, what if... You know, how how would you feel if you, and he walked through this what if situation, how would you feel if you got your scores back and they were okay, you know, and everything. Well, he decided to put off and wait till he got his scores in. He said three days later, he got a a call from this same gentleman that said he wanted to thank him because he's got his scores in and they were all passing and passing Mm -hmm. at a good level. So that just goes to show that we, we don't know what the future holds and we, you know, we, we think things are bad when they're not that bad. We we really we don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. That's as right. the old song goes. So uh let's see, uh by I, Mark Twain. Did you have something to say first? I, I did. It was a if it's all right for me to dump a quote here on that. Go on right the ahead. What you just, uh Neil Gaiman, story Coraline. Mm-hmm. Not because they tell us that I like that. Boy, that's good. Isn't that cool? I like Boy, that. you and I have beaten some dragons <laughs> and won a couple of fair maidens in the process. So, <laughs> um, This is what Mark Twain said. It ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. Goodness. It, it is, you know, because... But you know what? Here's the part that... You, the one part, as long as you understand the one part, you don't have to be bothered by the rest of the parts. 
Right. And that is understanding what we just said. God is a good God. He's loving. He's kind. And he cares for you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whose believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you understand that, what is there to worry about? Take it one day at a time. You know, uh, when I die, and you know what else? I don't care. (laughs) I say that jokingly because some of those debts will probably be transferred on to somebody else, and I don't want them to go through that. But um, I think I'm not really sure how that works. I think it depends on the debt. But for the most part, especially if you get into debt jointly with somebody... But, you know, there, I'm not, I say I don't care because I'm going to be in heaven. People don't worry about credit card debt in heaven. So, you know, now I, I do care about that before I go, but, you know, after I go. No. So, um, here's another. Got, yeah, go ahead. I, I got one from, you have brains in your ear, you're on your own, and you know what, know what, you only one who'll do. Dr. Harry Carr. No, I'm just kidding. I know <laughs> Dr. better. Seuss. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Seuss. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> So, and here's another good one. You know, we're we're all on this. Some of us on this earth, some of us, not me, um, we go through life with um, an amount of fame. And some people are really, really big. You know, I, I'm a big fan of musicians. People like Elvis Presley, the Righteous Brothers, Roy Orbison, who said this. Roy Orbison said this, and this is so great. I may be a living legend, but that sure don't help when I've got to change a flat tire. <laughs> so, in other words, he was saying we all put our pants on the same way, you know. Right. So, uh, so I thought that was pretty good. So, anyway, so let's see. Uh, Jim, let's talk about something else real quick. Do you eat mac and cheese? Mac and cheese. And do you, we talked about a couple of weeks ago how we doctor up ramen noodles. Yep. Do you ever do that with mac and cheese? I do. Um much these days. How sometimes would you do put, that? Well, sometimes if I just wanted it extra cheesy, I, I like a little bit of cheddar on there. Sure. I, I like a, a little cheese flavor. I might take some shred cheddar cheese. Uh, sometimes I'll kind of make a oh, cheese yeah. tuna. Sometimes chop up some ham. In That's there, good too. Ham and cheese macaroni. Sometimes uh, some ground beef. Yeah. Kind of do it up like a little bit of a hamburger, hamburger helper. helper and, yeah. And, and maybe throw some, uh, cayenne pepper flakes on there. Man, that's those, a, I'm those, getting hungry those. right now. <laughs> I, I do I do it a few different ways. And mac and cheese, I'll tell you something that I don't do too often, just because I try to lay off the carbs and and the sugars. But man, when I get a craving for it, I really get a craving for it. Uh, there's there's a couple of ways. When I went to work down here at the Xerox Center in Alamogordo, we used to have regular potlucks, and there was uh, two different people that would bring them in cooked two different ways, and one was with hatch green chili blended. And that is good stuff, let me tell mm. you. The other way, the other person would bring it in would be with uh, lobster meat or shrimp or a combination of the two. And that was really good. We did have a fellow one time that was, we, we, we would mark, people are allergic to that sort of thing. And we had this one marked that said this, this mac and cheese contains seafood. Well, I don't know what happened, but this young man didn't see that. He got him a big helping of it, went back to his table. And you could see the seafood in it, but I don't know why he wasn't looking. Took a bite of that, and almost instantly his throat began to swell. Oh, goodness. So anyway, he he was able to recover from that. But, uh, yeah, if, you don't, if you're allergic to anything, you got to be careful about what you do at potlucks. There's a f- funny family story. Yeah? My, yeah. 
I know I'm kind of chasing a rabbit here, but chase a rabbit. We got time. Uh, um, <laughs> um, my my mom to my dad, and she wants just just have her over, make friends uh, with her, kind of show her that she's going to take good care of her son right. and and all that kind of stuff. And so she she decided she's going to do something a little bit fancy, uh, and she made a shrimp salad. Mm. Well, you got to understand that at the time. This was still a little bit of a new thing, right? And, and my grandmother, being older generation yet, uh, she uh, she she looks down in the plate and she sees these things. She's what in the world are those? And my mom says, "Well, those are sh- th- those are those are shrimp." My grandmother says, "They look like garden slugs." Oh, she, wonderful! <laughs> she, <laughs> she wonderful! Yeah, I bet not. <laughs> You know, another way I've cooked mac and cheese is uh, I, I would cook the noodles. Now, I don't I don't use the box from Kraft for this, but I would cook a, a big, giant, one of those old spaghetti tubs that's like a foot and a half high, and, you know, you cook all your noodles in it. And then I would take one of these uh, tin foil pans, like a casserole dish, like you'd get at Dollar Tree or Dollar Store, yep. and I would layer those noodles down on top of it, or in it, and then I would layer the cheese on top of that, and then put another layer of noodles on top of that, and another layer of cheese, and do that about three times or until the pan was filled to the top. And so the noodles are already cooked, you just got this cheese on it. And then I'd take it outside and put it in my smoker for about 15 or 20 minutes. That's and, it, I'm hanging out at Oh, Charles. yeah, it's good stuff. Let me tell you, smoked macaroni and cheese is awesome. It really is. You you blend a little green chili with that, man, you've got a dish. Ooh. So, yeah, there's one, a lot of ways you can doctor up mac and cheese, too. I wonder if you could do that with the little uh, uh, the little seasoning packets from the ramen noodles. That, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I do like mac and cheese. One of the things, when I met Sarah, we, we talked about mac and cheese quite a bit, because she, she's a big fan of mac and cheese as well. So... You know what else would be good in it is uh, bacon bits or crumbled bacon. Oh yeah, that'd be really good. So bacon is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. Yeah, not everybody in this world believes that today, but that's their that's okay. We'll that's pray for their we'll, problem. Yeah, yeah, we'll pray for them. Yes, and uh, so um, anyway, along those lines, um, <laughs> Jim, there's a lot of things out there that people make health claims for, and uh, so one of the things that I've seen is uh, magnetic bracelets. Are you familiar with these? I've seen some of that stuff. I don't know what to do with that information. Well, you know, I I have neuropathy in my feet. Sometime back, I think I talked about this on the show back a couple of years ago, I bought these magnetic inserts. They seemed to help a little bit. Now, that might have been a placebo effect. I don't know. But I have recently bought two magnetic bracelets. I started out wearing one on my right hand. And again, this might be the placebo effect. But, you know, I have had part of my right foot gently and surgically removed. um, And it has affected my balance. Sometimes when I walk, I'll just lean one direction. And I'll have to cross one foot over the next to keep my balance. I just kind of look around embarrassed and act like I'm going into a dance move or something, but, you know, I'm a happy guy. <laughs> so, um, but I have noticed, and it, it, again, it may be just a, a, a falsely led observation, 
then it, it has seemed to help my balance a little bit. I Really, when I put it on, I have no expectations of it doing anything. Uh, well, I'll just wear it, because if nothing else, the bracelet itself looks kind of cool. Uh, it's copper. It's got the magnets on the inside. Uh, it, it doesn't look too shabby. So um, I ended up getting two of them, one for my right wrist and one for the left. So what I might do is switch them over to my ankles and see if that helps. I don't know. Why not? Yeah, it wouldn't hurt. I mean, I mean, when I when I say I don't know what to do with that information, I'm not. There's no veiled skepticism there. It's just I don't know. I, I've heard, yeah, I I really and truly don't know. Um, but the funny thing is, is let, let let's say for a second it is the placebo effect. The placebo effect is still in effect. Yes. And, and as long as I you're mean, feeling good, right? Right. What's what's the difference? Um, the that there's been some stuff about the the power of the human mind now this is kind of an extreme situation but it starts to give you a sense of uh, of of how powerful the human mind is in affecting your own physiology uh there's been recorded instances within history where people that had uh like multiple personality disorders and when they would switch between personalities there would be physiological changes that would take place such as um, medical conditions that would come and go with the personalities. That's medical, interesting. Medical conditions like diabetes. Really? Um, think, yes. Things like um, eye color. Eye color. Jim, I hate to say that, but in the case of somebody who has multiple personalities like that, that almost makes me question as whether or not that could possibly be, now not in all cases, but in something like that where eye color changes, I, I don't know, I question if there's not something spiritual I, going on there. I, I, I know what you're, I know what you're, where you're headed with it, and, and honestly, I don't know, but this is where, the, it, it, it's still valuable information, Sure. if for no other reason, it starts you asking questions. Right, yeah. And and if you st- say, well, you know what, um, this this isn't a lone circumstance. There's been many circumstances like that. Um, it's doubtful that all of the. Let's say that some of them were uh, something something spiritual going on. That's not to say that all of them were. That's true so that's, too. Yeah. So that's at least a starting point to start asking some some medical questions about that because if everything in your body is and ends up being controlled either. Uh, voluntarily or or uh, autonomically by your brain, right. it, it, you start to wonder what what might we be able to do for uh, hard medical conditions like that if we understood that we did have some levels of uh, of, of control over that. that that's very interesting. That the, really I mean, is. there's there, there's certain things that uh, you know we we talked earlier about um, your you, you kind of you're, you're as happy as you put your mind yeah, to be. Yeah, exactly. But your your moods, your moods end up be, representing chemical changes in your body. That's true. I think uh, there was a not to sound and, and ridiculous, I, but there was. An I don't mean to get of, like too weird with that, but no, you know, maybe we maybe there's some questions worth asking there and, and doing some sober some sober checking do, and 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 do you some remember? That have actually done some testing. Do you remember that uh, they did an episode of Mash? About placebos, yes. that that was an interesting, yep. an interesting episode that goes along the same lines of what we're talking about right now. 
Well, go ahead, go ahead and tell the story. Well, I, honestly, I don't remember. I just remember that there was an episode where uh, there was a bunch of people. I, I think it was a fever. They had a fever and some sort of virus, and they gave these people placebos to make them think that they were getting over it, and they were actually. The temperatures were were going down and everything for a little while. Uh, it didn't cure them because they still had the virus or whatever, but they started to feel better. And that was important to give them some hope until they were able to get the medication that, that actually now, took care of the problem, as I recall. I don't. I think you might have it a little bit off. And I probably do because it's been at least 20 years since I've seen it. Because what I think that episode was is I think that they had actually ran out of morphine yeah. to help some of their patients deal with You're levels right. of pain. Thanks. Because I remember that Honeycutt... Um, Ended up sitting down with one of his patients. Patient called him over and says, "Hey, Doc, could I get a little bit more of that? Uh, what what you were handing out?" And and the the point had been made that if you're going to give these placebos out, you got to have a little bit of an actor in you uh, to right. really sell it. And Honeycutt says, "Well, son, I can give you a half of one, right? But, but but these are some powerful stuff, so." I don't dare give you any more than a half of one more. And the kid was like, okay, Doc, I appreciate it. And That's he got, right. Yeah. He got a half of one more, and the kid ended up feeling better and was able to go to sleep. And the point being made was is that the, the human mind is very powerful, um, particularly when we start talking about how it can affect itself and, and your physiology. Absolutely. Absolutely. Isn't it incredible? We go back to how great God is, but isn't it amazing how he made us so complicated? It, right. It really, you know, this is one of the things, and I, I don't want to get into this because this could be a whole other show, but I have friends, people that I know that claim to be atheists, and I say claim to be atheists because I, deep down I don't believe anybody actually believes there is no God. They just like saying it because they're hoping that's the case. That's my personal belief. Um, but anyway... When you look at the complication of the design of everything, everything, how can you not confess that there is an intelligent designer? Everything. Uh, Ray, uh, what was his name? The guy that walks out on the streets and does street interviews. Ray, Ray Comfort. Ray Comfort did a show on this where he walked out and he talked to people that were atheists. And just by asking a few simple questions... These people got to thinking, and some of them changed their mind almost immediately because of the complicated design that there is in everything. In everything. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking with my folks earlier today, and when I got done, my mom's going, now, who are you reading that uh, that, that you're getting all this information from? And so I, I threw out the names of... Uh, Dr. John Lennox and Ravi Zacharias, yes. with regards to some of these apologetics. Um, uh, I know one of these days I'll run into something that they've said that I disagree on, but with regards to apologetics, they really do a fine job. Um, but here's here's a funny little tidbit. Dr. Gerald Schroeder wrote a book called The Science of God. Now, he's not a Christian. Uh, he's an Orthodox-leaning Jew. Um, but he wrote a book called The Science of God. and And he points out, that in the first nanoseconds of the Big Bang, this is if, if we're going to hypothetically make allowances for the idea that the Big Bang is, is true. I don't buy that, but for the sake of conversation, let's say it's true. If it was true, 
Um, mathematically, scientists have figured out that within the first nanoseconds, the millionth, first millionths of a second of the Big Bang, that the energy balances would have had to have been perfect to within one in ten times ten to the hundred and thirty second power. Wow. So you got a hundred followed by a hundred and thirty two zeros. Now, that's incredible enough. But now let's take that number, graphic level of improbability, and let's multiply that by every single other improbability that has happened from that moment until the point where you and I are having this conversation. And I have to confess that I don't have enough faith to believe in chances like that. It is just so much yeah. easier to look at things and say, listen, we see complexity, we see order, and in that alone, just just in terms of probability, it makes anything coming about by blind force, random chance, through dead matter, to getting us to the point where we're having this conversation right now, um, it takes more faith to be an atheist, as Norm Geisler, his, his book... Uh, Norm Geisler wrote a book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. I highly recommend that to anybody that uh, is handling these topics. Um, I'm trying to think. It's Norm Geisler and Frank Turek, I believe, were the ones yeah, that uh, that wrote like that Frank. wrote that book. Good stuff. Uh, but the improbability that that from those first nanoseconds, with that catastrophic improbability, to all the all the coincidences leading up to this moment that lead us to have this conversation. I'm sorry. It's th there comes a point where scientists have said that we deal with probability at a certain level, and we say, you know what? There's a th there's theoretically that there's a chance. It's a thing happening that they have calculated, and I don't remember what the number is, but they had calculated what they called practical improbability. Right. And that once something hits this threshold of practical or practical impossibility, it's pra it's literally still possible, but it's so improbable as to not even be worthy of consideration. And when you get to the subject of uh, of uh, the Big Bang of evolution, uh, leading us to the point where where you folks are sitting here listening to this, it's so it, it's millions and millions and millions of times greater than the point of practical impossibility that they've already dismissed. So it really comes back to a point where the Bible has spoken very truly that the fool hath said in his heart that there is no God. You know, let me let me expand on that verse a little bit. If you look at the King James version. It says there is the fool hath said in his heart there is no God, but if you notice that the phrase the wording there is is in italics, and you know what mm. that means in the original, in the original, uh, let's see, it was it would have been in Hebrew because in, it was in the, the original, whole, right? Because it was in the Old Testament that the phrase there is was not there. So the literal translation of that is the fool hath said in his heart no God. Now. This is what I've heard my dad say. That He said, that would be like me walking into a room, and a hostess is there, and she says, I've got pie. Who wants pie? And he says, um, no, no pie. I'm not denying the existence of the pie. I'm saying there's no pie for me. I don't want any. So that's kind of what the fool hath done, hath done, has done. He says, I'm not, and it, you know, I'm not denying that there is no God. I'm just saying it's not for me, not for me. Well, and, and if you look in Romans chapter 10, um, starting in verse uh, 16, it kind of it buttresses that idea. Right. Uh, where it talks about here, I'm pulling it up. 
uh, Romans 1, verses 16 through 18. Uh, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteous men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That's kind of interesting. Uh, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, meaning us. Right. Even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And it goes into a grocery list of what sins emerged from that. And when you start, what you start to look at is it's, the, this this grocery list of sins in in those verses following, uh, it starts to sound a lot like today. Yeah, yeah. And what's anyway? We could go on and on about that. But you're you're right. That does sound a lot like. You know, I get so the the mentality of people on the street. Uh, I say that people on the street because that's that's everybody, right? But the some of the people that I see interviewed on social media and stuff. Um, not to, not to change gears a little bit, but I, I saw this woman that was walking up to people and asked if they believed that the black people, African Americans, should be paid reparations uh, for their ancestors being in slavery. And these guys, the college students, and even a few college professors, absolutely, absolutely. And she said, well, I'm glad you feel that way. This is Joe. And she had this young black man come around. And uh, he's got a jar, and he's collecting reparations, so you can pay him today. And I thought, <laughs> I thought, oh, this is great because they're going to say, oh no, 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 you know. And these people were opening up their wallets and giving Joe this money. I could not believe it. And at the hmm. end of it, she interviewed Joe, and he's like, "These people are stupid. I never was a slave. That never affected me. I never owned a slave. I never was a slave. But you know what? This is because these people." are doling out their money because they're the true slave to this agenda, uh, to this indoctrination that I, we need to become a socialist country, share the wealth, and, and everything else. You know, the government won't even pay the ranchers. We talked about this in the last show, that they stole their land from to uh, create White Sands Missile Range. To this day, those... Families and even the children of those families that lived on those ranchers, the governor, government will not acknowledge them, will not pay them anything, totally ignore them. And yet people in our government, Nancy Pelosi, Alexandria Cortez, they want to go back 150 years and pay those families? What about the families of ranchers? What, what about There's so many areas that make more sense today to take care of some financial needs where the government did wrong. Let's talk about our Social Security. Are you and I right. going to have that when it comes time for us to collect? Moving forward, right. Yeah. Uh, what about that? You want to pay reparations for something that... Ha Here's the other thing on the reparations. Boy, I'm getting started now. <laughs> Let's think about this. When we first, before we came a country, became a country, what country were we? Whose whose reign were we under? 
we were under the reign of of the King George. England. Yeah, right. Great Britain. Under that government, that's where slavery in North America was introduced. Yeah, and England will break its break its arm trying to deny uh, pat that. Itself yeah. on the back. Well, they'll, they'll well, try to pat themselves on the back that they they abolished um, it. That they abolished it actually before we did. Right. Um, and it's like, yeah, but you started it too. You started it here. Uh, so here's where I'm getting, Jim. So we break off from them. Of course, when the time we by the time we break off from their rule, we are an ind- we're an independent nation. But this is an esta- this is a, a way of life that's already been established under British rule. And we've got people in the deep south that their economy and I'm not making excuses for you for it, I'm just telling how it is. The economy could not withstand a complete break from slavery. So you can bl- you can't blame that on America. You have to blame that on the government that introduced it into our continent. Great in Britain place. in the first place. But what did we do as a new nation? We tried to take gradual steps to remove that establishment, which eventually led to the Civil War. Now, I'll say it led to it. It wasn't the main cause of the Civil War. That's without a doubt. But that's a whole other show. So our country, our government, is the reason we no longer have slavery, not the reason we had it to begin with. You want reparations? Go talk to the British Parliament. They're the ones that owe it to you. It's this government that put a stop to it. That's my thoughts on it. No, and there's there's a lot of there's a lot to be said for that. I, I think that needs to play into the conversation. I got a friend of mine, and he's African American. I'm not going to give his name uh, because I haven't asked his permission. But uh, he's a wonderful Christian gentleman, very intelligent. Um, I've been telling him, brother, you need to have you need to have your own radio show because he just has a beautiful, sonorous voice and he speaks with gravitas and intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were talking about this very thing. And he said, you know what? He says, one thing we do need to recognize, and that is is that the American government made a promise to uh, victims of slavery. And they promised them uh, 40 acres and a mule. And he said, so, you know, if it, if it, was, if it wasn't for the fact that a promise had been made, then it would be easy enough to say, come on, be realistic, uh, this just just isn't. You're, you're just not dealing with the real world here, he says. But if we could go through some kind of a process where we could figure out who is actually owed something because their their ancestors were not given. Uh, I, I'd like a little more research on that. It's not that I'm denying it. But no. Why Why did they promise them forty acres and a mule? And could they could did they even have that to give to that many slaves? The forty acres they probably did. The mule probably could have been worked out. Um, the the bigger question, and I think it's a valid question that you raise, uh, is is did that was that promise actually made? I think I do remember well, it it coming up. Uh, here's another question: Was it a legal promise? Was it voted on by Congress? I don't know. Well, that's that, something that's I'd all, like to. Yeah, that that's all. That's all. Those are all fair questions. But uh, my friend, he said, you know what? And he's a conservative. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's not he's not going the liberal direction. He sure. Says, but but you know what? A promise is a promise. He says so. If we could actually find out who this stuff uh, should go to, then what we need to give them is forty acres and a mule. 
Well, here's, now, here's, now what are you, you going to do with it? You know, and, and the thing is, it's like the reparations that you're owed is the reparations that were promised, uh, and and that's it. Well, here's the thing too: you got one slave who's owed, let's say he he's owed forty acres and a mule. He hasn't been given that, and his descendants are wanting that now. Are they all going to want forty acres and a mule, or should that, that be just was, given to one in one descendant? You know? Well, and that was that was part of the conversation that he brought out, um, and, and and said that you can't give more than one set of forty acres. It's one set of forty acres. Now you can go ahead and divide it amongst the family. And by the time that's all said and done, they probably all get about an inch. Right now, now let's let's bring this forward just a bit, because here's the thing: let's let's assume that they're right about all of that. Okay, what? If if we're going to go back in time and we're going to compensate people, um, in in for this and hey, listen, I'm I'm not a prejudiced person and I think that uh, we need to, we but we do need to honor promises if promises have been made. But here's the thing: what about all of the young men that stepped out and risked their lives because they believed that slavery was wrong? Right. If if we owe something to those that were victimized, yeah. then what about a kind thank you and at least the reasonable uh, reasonable what's the word I'm looking for? Compensation? No, not even compensation. Just uh, just just leave it open. You know, white folks are kind of getting this thing right now that we're all bigots. Right. Whether we're whether we're bigots or not. Well, do you realize that there was a war that was fought? And yeah. It was the bloodiest war that's ever happened on this continent. I go back, and, and I know my family's history. My great-grandfather uh, fought on the side of the Union. He's born in uh, Utica, New York, Oneida County, in 1838. His name is Robert John Nelson. And he fought at the age of 15 on the side of the North. Now, I don't need compensation, but how about a reasonable uh, belief that that just because does not automatically mean I'm a bigot. Can I get that? Yeah. And, and what you're talking about is you're talking about these young men who fought for the North, that they might have been the only male on the farm, keeping that farm alive and bringing in an income. In and, the case of my, gra- my yeah. great-grandfather, that was the fact. Right. And they chose to give that up because they did not believe in slavery. What about reparations to them with interest or whatever? Well, you know? even even if you, I would do without the reparations. Because here's the thing. Well, I'm just, um, I'm just he, putting that into context. That's all. No, no, sure, sure. I, I'm only retreating from it because I think that we've gotten to a point where we, we've we've abandoned sanity in this conversation. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Okay. We, we've really abandoned sanity. So I'm not even talking about reparations for for mine. Um, and, and I and I can go another layer deep on this. Um. I'm just talking about, is it okay if me and mine are just given the benefit of the doubt that we're not bigots sure. just because of the color of our skin? Yeah. Now, I've got, I, I've got a, a lot of friends that uh, are not of my ethnicity, and, and we get along fine. So this is by far and away not, uh, not the whole. But when you see the liberal, uh, the, the, the folks on the side of, of – of the liberal politics that want to automatically assume that because the color of my skin happens to be light, 
that that then and therefore means I am a bigot. You know what? That by definition is bigotry. Yeah, that's because true. You're, because you're identifying me by the color of my skin and not the content of my character. Oh, wait a second. Who said that? My goodness. Yeah. I think it was Martin Luther King that said, I have a dream that one day a man will be judged by the content of his character and not the color of his skin. And yet here we are. And we're being judged in that fashion. But to go another layer deep, uh, at the at the very early uh, stage of this country, the majority of the people that were being brought over here as slaves were not another ethnicity. They were Irish. Irish, yes. That's true, too. Yep. Okay, absolutely. so now you are talking about my folk. Yep. Oh, yeah, because Jim is the red-headed Irish ninja. It, it, it's a fact. I have descended from... Uh, from, from Niall Nagalach back in uh, 385 AD. Bless you. I, th- I know, right? <laughs> um. <laughs> so, yeah, we could, we, Jim, it's, it's about time to wrap up. We got a few no minutes, and I want to leave on a lighthearted note. So, I've got a mm-hmm. few trivia questions. Oh, I'll are try. you ready for, yeah, I know. You're, you're a good hard <laughs> trier. Approximately, I'm going to leave you with uh, just a guess on this one. Approximately how many peanuts are there in a 12-ounce jar? I'll give you one guess, and we'll see how close you come to that number. Just throw it hmm. out there. How many, how many individual how, peanuts, how many in, a peanuts are in a 12-ounce jar? jar? I'm going to guess 48. Okay, these are peanuts that have already been shelled. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry, I should have clarified that. Go ahead, throw it out. Uh, you said a 12-ounce jar, 144. Uh, 540. Okay. Oh. Okay, next question. Typically, this is what I read on the internet, so don't don't hold it as gospel truth, but typically, according to my sources, a Chicago-style hot dog will never include what? A Chicago-style hot dog chili. No. Well, that's no. probably true, too, though. Ketchup. Oh, yes. Okay, you ought to get this one. What was the first toy to be advertised on television? A slinky. No, but you're kind of in that same era, time uh, frame. I'll give you uh, one more guess. sketch? No, now you're way ahead. Mr. Potato Head. Uh, Bones found on Seymour Island indicate that what animal once stood over six feet tall and weighed 250 pounds? I'm going to guess a chicken. No, but you're close again. It's a bird family. Uh, the penguin. Oh. Yeah. So, here, here's one you might get. This is a little bit more of modern history. In the early 1940s, what did patriotic Americans... Why did patriotic Americans save their bacon grease? Oh, in what year? In the 1940s. I'm... In 40s. Uh, I'm gonna get... Oh, wait, I know this. Yeah? I, I know this... Um, they sent it off to the military. Yeah, because it was used. It was used in the making of of ammunition. Well, you're close. Uh, yeah, I would. I would give you that point. Uh, it was made. It was actually used to make nitroglycerin for explosives. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, oh. Isn't it ironic that the thing that makes nitroglycerin, which can save you from a heart attack, can also <laughs> induce a heart attack. 
<laughs> blow you up. Right. right. Okay. Here's a good one. Colonel Tom Parker, who uh, Colonel Tom Parker, who was Elvis Presley's manager, he was really good at making a buck, and he even found a way to make money off of people who hated Elvis. What did he do to make money off of them? Oh goodness. Yeah, genius, genius. I you you're not going to get this one. Are you ready? I I I'm I yeah, I don't think I'm going to get this. He actually sold buttons that said I hate Elvis. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I thought you'd like that. Oh, okay. Oh my goodness. Okay, here's another one. I'm kind of rushing through these just to put in a last minute or two. What movie in 1984 was the first ever movie to hold a PG-13 rating? In 1984, PG-13. Yes. Um 1984. I'm going to guess, would that have been uh, The Return of the Jedi? No. Red Dawn. Oh, yes. Okay. Wolverine. Yeah, that's a, that. That's right. So one more question and we'll call it a night. Okay. Okay. Where was Richard Nixon when he declared, I am not a crook? This is according to my sources. Where was Richard Nixon when he declared, I am not a crook? I don't know. Disney World. Oh, no. Yes, yes. (laughs) Where else would you be, right? So, anyway, folks, you've been listening to the Biscuits and Gravy. I'm Jason Kurtman. My buddy and best friend, Jim Nelson, is on the other end of the Clean Feed link. We're going to call it a night. I hope you all have a good evening. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Jim, do you got anything you'd like to say? I do. Please, folks, turn on your Amber Alerts on your phone. The life you save may be someone you know and care for. Have a good night, all.